Welcome in everyone to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content at burntorangenation.com. Before we jump in, though, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a ton with visibility. Share this with your friends, wherever you found it. We are literally on every major podcast server, except for Spotify. We're still waiting. Get your act together, Spotify. Uh, so leave it, subscribe, share it wherever you find it. I'm your host, Gerald Goodridge, and I'm joined this week, like I am every week, by the king of shooters, looters, and boosters, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I like it a lot. Um, I was never uh, very acquainted with the Sam Clemens High School Booster Club, but uh, I would like to go back and let them know officially that I am the king of the booster, so let me have that seat. <laughs> oh, man. So we have uh, we have an interesting show, I think. We're going to try to keep it from getting too, uh, getting too uh, depressing, like one of the later episodes of MASH. We'll try to keep it out of that. Uh, so we've got some, some bad Texas basketballs played this last week. We do have pretty exciting uh, signing day recap that we'll open up with, uh, and then obviously we'll close out the day with some bang the drum. So, Kyle, let's just start on a high no. National Signing Day, the sequel, the second. Could it be the Godfather Part 2 to the December Signing Day? Perhaps. Uh, so Texas finished uh, third nationally, according to 24-7 aggregators, uh, with the number three class behind uh, Georgia and Ohio State. They had huge signings. You know, Georgia was flipping people from Alabama, which... You know what? If you can flip somebody from Alabama, you're doing something good. Georgia got the pledge from our boy Tommy Bush. It hurt me just a little bit, but it's okay. I'll, I'll recover. Uh, Texas had a solid day, solid third uh, place ranking. So, Kyle, did Texas address everything that you felt like they needed to with this class? Um, deep confession before we start. I actually loved Godfather 3, and I know I'm in the uh, the acute minority there, but uh, I think anywhere in the Godfather spectrum, you're doing doing all right but texas specifically uh in this class i i thought was was great um you know we we came in and kind of had the feeling already from the first signing day that hey whatever happens today we're going to be good you know we had cody on here talking about the different scenarios a lot of those things played out just like he saw him uh like you said it would have been great to add one more piece but at that point not getting tommy bush okay you know it was an embarrassment of riches um we we locked in positions that uh, you know were, were huge areas of need um, we got depth in various positions. I mean, we got the entire state of Texas. Um, any Anyone that was a really big, oh my gosh, we have to get this, it's a question mark, uh, we ended up getting. Um, some to the uh, chagrin of very mature Heisman Trophy winners, who, uh, just, a, just a brief reminder to everyone listening to this podcast, don't be like Baker Mayfield in any way uh, that you live your life, except maybe, you know, financially. Uh, don't be like Baker. Don't tweet at the recruits never ever tweet at the recruits um but yeah we flipped uh, we got keandre coburn who always felt pretty good about but OU also felt pretty good about and clearly baker was a little uh a little perturbed when uh you know spoiled brett didn't get everything he wanted but uh was a big one getting him getting uh getting joseph Asai was was a huge one those were those were both position of uh of need and those are guys who are going to be uh, three-year contributors at UT. They're going to be, um, you know, really, really good pieces, I think. Um, I mean, we we did pretty much everything that I wanted to see. Um, and, and you put it here in the notes, and I love this. I mean, uh, every Aggie I talk to, and I, I do that selectively and reluctantly, but when I, when I talk to the Aggies, every, uh, you know, every, like, quoting a, 
talking points memo um we're like oh you only have defensive backs oh cool you you got a bunch of five stars but they're all one position or great i can't wait to watch your seven on seven team you know it's it's going to be very good um and then you know texas went in and just waited till this class and, and as herman promised at the last recruiting day this was uh, when they would answer the question uh where's the beef um they uh, <laughs> they brought in <laughs> they brought in five on both sides of the line um I'll let you talk about that offensive line because it looks it looks infinitely better than it than it did uh, three hundred and I don't know fifty days ago uh, at this point. So, uh, what did you think about uh, about the hog mollies? Yeah, I man, I love this this class and my probably my favorite guy of the class they signed as far as O lineman in in the first signing period, uh, Junior Angelau. I I will go to bat for Polynesian O lineman. I think they are. The, the best linemen that are made on the offensive line. That's just my own personal feelings. But uh, there's just some beef. Like you said, 6'6", 297 is Angelau. Uh, you've got Reese Moore, 6'6", 280, which anytime you see like the round numbers, I assume somebody's rounding up. But still, he's a big old boy. Rafiti Grimai, 6'4", 290. That guy's got a mean streak. Even, you know, one of the lower-ranked guys, a guy, Christian Jones, that the, the staff really loves, is just a just a massive man, 6'6", 285. He can move a little bit. Uh, played in played inside played at Cy Woods, which is uh, not a bad program. Anything out of Cypress, Texas, I'm just going to go and go ahead and say that they're doing okay. So I I just love the offensive uh, line class that they had, and I really think the biggest kind of recruiting get for Texas along the offensive line is still out there. You know, Calvin Anderson is still yep. uh, pursuing the grad transfer market. It seems like Texas and Michigan are the leaders in the clubhouse. Uh, he's a Westlake guy. He's from Austin. He's been at Texas games. He was at uh, a Texas game with uh, with uh, Todd Orlando, so it was interesting to see that. Uh, I'm just excited for, for the future, and obviously it's hard to judge you know, high school players based on what they did against inferior talent at the high school level. Uh, it really is. But seeing guys that are like, when you see them on the field, they don't just look like they're better. They look like they are at a different level than everybody else. And so mm-hmm. guy, like you mentioned, Keandre Coburn just looked like he's at a different level than everybody else. There, uh, we saw him in the, uh, the, Army All-American, not the Army All-American game, but the uh, Under Armour All-American game, like Junior Angle out. Just, just, oh, he wasn't the Army All-American game. Just, just beasted people. Just nasty, mm-hmm. putting people on their backside. So I'm just excited to see, um, you know, what happens. Like you said, Herman said he wanted to lock up the state of Texas, and they locked up the state of Texas. I mean, the top 15 people, 13 of the top 15, uh, Texas just locked up. And it was, it was, it's just hard not to uh, get excited about that, you know, seeing, all of this in-state talent, all of the guys, it's just, it's the way that it needs to be. And and Herman says this is going to be the rule, not the exception. And and, and A&M's got a hot start to the 2019 class. But you know what? I I do not doubt that if you put Tom Herman, one of his staff, and Brian Carrington, Brian Carrington is the dude. Like, the recruits love him. He got a shout-out in somebody's commitment video, which, you know what? I'm fine. He's he's yep. not even technically a coach. He's a he's a director of player development, but the players love him. Oh yeah, every time he throws a uh, he throws a shush out on Twitter. Like I have a I have a Twitter alert sent up. Just uh, whenever I get shush emoji from from Carrington, I just instantly check my phone. I need to know what's going on. Try to figure out what that uh, what that indicates. There's excitement there. I think that's what what you were getting ready to say. I mean, it's this is good for for where Texas football has been to be able to come and do this. Is is the sign that there is something 
being baked. The ingredients are putting in there. You know, the, the oven's been turned on. He's getting it in there now and, and baking this cake. I know we said, uh, or some said last year, Coach Coach Strong, love you, but uh, said that this was just about putting the icing on the cake. And clearly there, there was a few more steps. Um, had to check the, uh, go back on the, the iPad and scroll back up on some of the, the early ingredients. But uh, I think it's getting close, man. I think this... Uh, this is a huge step in the right direction. I, I I was so excited on signing day. It felt like the good old days, you know, the Mary Malik's mistakes. Fifteen just got a little little excited, but eleven of the top fifteen is still pretty solid. You can, I mean, A and going to get a couple of in state guys. Alabama's always going to attract some talent, but still eleven of fifteen is is phenomenal. We got to move on yeah. to uh, some less exciting news. Less exciting is probably the best way to describe this. So, uh, the Texas Longhorns. They had a shot this week to really cement their status as a NCAA tournament team. They really had an opportunity to continue to pad that resume, pad what they're doing, and just could not get it done wherever they went. Uh, so Kansas State was coming off of a, a loss at West Virginia and managed to edge out the Texas Longhorns 67-64. to 64. And I just, you know, it was a home game. Uh, what, what happened? You know, it's unfortunate, right? We had the, uh, the OU, uh, win. we were coming on the podcast last week, talking about the kind of momentum that they had a chance to, to build from that. Um, and this was probably as bad of a week as, as could have happened. Um, again, it's, it's micro chapters of a season. You make the tournament and at this point, you know, that's something, um, but this was not a good week. It, Texas had been very good at home. Um, you know, Club Irwin had actually been a thing. You know, the, the Frank Irwin Center was a fortress. Um, and, and coming in in the home game, no one really looked at this Kansas State game uh, as a letdown game, which is always a recipe for a letdown game. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, Kansas State was actually had somehow, and I found this, I had to double-check the box scores, inexplicably had a worse showing against West Virginia the game before than UT did. UT only lost a mere 86-51. to uh, Kansas State had lost 89 to 51 so an even more devastating loss and maybe that's what teams need because I did jumpstart UT a little bit uh the kick in the pants but I really didn't think this was this was going to be problematic uh I forgot the curse of the color purple and, and the fact that you know Kansas State just just seems to own us in every sport inexplicably all the time but uh this I did not see and and you know you can you can place the blame uh, anywhere that you want I think um you know Bamba did kind of what he had to, especially in the first half. He finished with 18 and 12. Uh, but it looked like he just wasn't as aggressive. You know, he uh, he only took four shots in the second half, only scored three points, and, and the Texas offense really s- couldn't get into the post. Uh, Sims and Bamba both looked good in the first half, and they couldn't, uh, couldn't really get the ball in the second half, couldn't get into the post. They were being denied and not really working hard to get it. So Texas was selling for three-pointers, and this was not a not a good – Texas three-point performance they shot eight for 29 against Kansas State um, and when you look at kind of the the three guys who to me I, I read a stat line I expect Mobamba to be good when I think is this going to be a good game or not I look at Osikowski Coleman uh, and, and Kerwin Roach and I look at those guys to see how they did and that usually tells the story of the game so far this season well they were a uh, three of seven three of nine and two of ten shooting for uh, eight points eight points and six points so again that's just not your three guys under your superstar have to do better than that. Um, and there's problematic things throughout the team, but um, when you're not hitting from deep, when you can't, you know, take advantage of your size and your supporting cast isn't, 
isn't there, then you're going to lose games. You're going to lose games that, that, that you really shouldn't. Um, credit to, to Kansas State for doing what they needed, but this was this was a serious uh, a serious stumbling block in the path to the tournament for sure. Um, not good. Yeah, it's a big setback. And anytime Texas looks just not great, my first – my first indication is looking at points of the paint because I really, you know, I've said it before and I've said it again. This team lives and dies by its by its interior defense. You know, if you can if you can put shots up on on the twin towers, if you can get and attack the basket, you're going to have success because Texas really does well shutting down the paint. And Kansas State State scored 38 of their 67 points from the painted area. Yeah. You know, Texas only managed 28 points. So, you know, a 10-point differential isn't huge, but when you only score 67 points and 38 of them come from the paint, and you're supposed to have the the biggest and best interior defense in the conference, yeah. that's not a good look. And I'm not sure how you out-rebound a team 16-6 to on the offensive glass and lose a game. <laughs> right, right. You, you only get 11 second chance points. Like that's you had sixteen second chances. So even if you <laughs> scored one on every one of those second chances, you get sixteen points. And right. obviously, it's an unfair expectation to for them to score on every offensive rebound. But you've got to you've got to capitalize on those things. If they can turn maybe two more of those rebounds into points, that's a win. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was tough, and we'll, we'll kind of transition right into the, the next game because I think it's. Maybe not the exact same story, but I think it's indicative. I think um, the play of, of our two big staples, the cornerstones that we spent a lot of time talking about, Bamba and Osikowski, were not good this week and have kind of been trending downwards really since the, the old Miss win. Um, and, and so the, the second game of this was uh, TCU coming, uh, or excuse me, at home in Fort Worth, uh, beating Texas 87-71. to 71. So not a particularly uh, close game, but Texas did get 71 on the offensive glass. Um, so it really or on the offensive side of the ball, it really was uh, more of a defensive issue for me. Um, if I'm looking at Texas scoring 70 points, we've said a couple times on this on this podcast, that is what the benchmark needs to be. And when Texas does that, they win. So uh, that's just a real letdown to have that happen. What did uh, what did you think about that game? You you said it there, and we've said it all the time, when, when Bamba and, and Big O are not up to standard than Texas struggles because really they play inside outside. You know when the when the bigs down lower doing well and Bamba, I I can't say it's hard to say a guy that scored twenty three points struggle in a game, but single digit rebounds hasn't happened in I can't remember how long for him. So twenty three and five. If you're a normal guy, that's a great game. If you're Mo Bamba, that's not that great of a game. You know and and Big O didn't even sniff double digits. He it's four points and six boards. Like that's not. A good look, you know. Eric Davis came off the bench and looked great, but to me, it's just you—you you can't give up forty-eight points in the first half. You just can't do that. You cannot give up that many points in the first half. And yeah, I know TCU shot sixty percent in the first half and hit five threes, but still, like that's just that's that is going to just hamper you every time. There's no way two ways around that. Yeah, and and you know, Texas actually shot. 10 for 20 from three. This was Texas is the worst three point shooting team in the big 12 by a pretty decent chunk. And they came out and matched TCU. They both shot 10 for 30 from three. So, so you really nullified one of your biggest disadvantages. So again, in that just zoomed out reading the storylines, you should win that game. Uh, Bomba scored 23. Great. I'm hearing nothing that says I shouldn't win that game. Um, but there has been something I've noticed really, you know, even, even in the OU game, to some extent, 
Bamba has looked less aggressive. He hasn't had as many blocks. You know, if you tell me he had five rebounds, but it's because he had six blocks and he was, you know, defending every shot, pulling him away from the rim, really going up, contesting, and, and other people were picking up the uh, the rebounds, whichever team that might be. I live with that. Um, but this just didn't – he almost seems like maybe it's been told in his ear, you know, uh, you're, you're going to be a lottery pick, don't risk any injury. Don't, I don't know what it is, but it, it seems like a, something has, has regressed a little bit in his demeanor on the court. He's just not the uh, – especially where he was so solid and sure on the defensive end, being the, being the shot eraser, being the, uh, you know, the vacuum on the boards and just kind of cleaning anything near him within that expansive uh, wingspan, uh, bringing it in. And, and so – Maybe maybe we're or I'm overreacting, but I would I would love to see kind of this some stabilization in the next couple of games and see a return to that mentality, uh, especially coming after a you know a deflating loss against Kansas State. You don't want to get run out of the gym by TCU. You just don't. Yeah, and I think at this point in the season, for me, three losses in a row is a disaster. Like I'm I'm not normally this guy's falling guy, but you've got you know, you've got Baylor who's not really that hot of a team you're at home you know you have the opportunity especially because you know you're going to norman after that you've got you got a big monday against baylor and then it's a saturday after saturday morning really against ou in norman so Mm -hmm. very quickly two two losses can turn into four so if you cannot pick up a win at baylor it's it's disastrous However, not all of the basketball teams on campus are struggling. The women's basketball team, we're not going to spend a ton of time here because we're really running out of ways to say they absolutely dominated someone. So they welcomed in Kansas State. They had better fortunes and beat them 76 to 54. They are currently riding a five game uh, win streak. They're 20 and four on the year. They have the opportunity to close out the year on a 10 game winning streak they could if they can win if they can beat Baylor which is the only marquee matchup left on their schedule could win another five or they could just win nine of their last 10 which would be a great way to head into the uh, conference playoffs and just quickly baseball is in the air the the boys of spring I guess not fall in college the boys of spring uh, baseball season starts this week some preseason rankings have Texas as high as 14 they open up the season on Friday uh, welcoming Louisiana Lafayette to the Dish Falk field over in uh, the east part of campus across the highway so good luck to them I love to see some good baseball it's always fun to watch them in the Big 12 tournament Absolutely, and I'm excited for Coach Pierce uh, coming into his second year. It's been a it's been an uneven kind of couple years for Longhorn baseball, um, but I think he's he's got this team where it needs to be. It looks like they're uh, they're stabilized. I think an NCAA tournament bid should be the expectation for this team, and it seems like that is his absolute uh, his absolute floor. So I like that. Um, it is going to be kind of rough for the first time in what it feels like 13 years. Uh, Casey Clemens won't be suiting up for the Longhorns. Uh, you know, that guy's been there, like I said, a decade or, or, or better, but uh, but he will be gone and, and only uh, there to watch the games with his dad. So uh, this is going to be an interesting with some new faces, uh, but we had some, uh, you know, a good recruiting year and, you know, seems to be that the number three preseason team in the Big 12 and, uh, you know, a top 20 preseason team, there seems to be some pretty good expectations. So I'm excited to see and I'm excited to have a, another elite Texas program to talk about. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good year. I, I feel it for baseball. We need we need some good news, Kyle, in men's sports. Uh, speaking of good news, it's that time of the week where we honor our favorite tradition on the Forty Acres, Big Bertha, and bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? 
Well, you know, in the spirit of Olympics, even though they are the uh, the more winter variety, I am uh, a big fan of of the the games and the uh, the sports uh, track and field, especially in the Summer Olympics. And I was looking back to see uh, what uh, Olympians we had in the Rio Olympics. I think we had twenty six. Uh, athletes compete which is awesome love to see that uh, and we have probably another future Olympian again in the summer games uh, with 18 year old uh, freshman Longhorn uh, who did some some pretty decent stuff over the weekend Sam Worley uh, broke the school record in one of his uh, first uh, Longhorn track events he became the first Texas Longhorn to ever run a sub four minute mile which um, as someone who you know occasionally drives at a pace slower than that? I can't really imagine <laughs> uh, imagine running that. So you know, incredible incredible work for an eighteen year old kid um, who was one of the best runners in high school last year, um, and is you know only going to improve from here. Uh, but I thought it was really funny when I was looking at the list. He is the the first to break four minutes, which is kind of the historical mark set uh, when Roger Bannister first broke that back in the day. They didn't think it was even humanly possible. Obviously been done now, but uh, he was the, the the first guy to do it in burn orange. Um, and so I looked at the list, and there was actually a guy in this race um, who ran a four-minute mark who came in second place for the Longhorns, Alex Rogers, a junior, um, and actually a former high school teammate of Worley's, but uh, set a personal best at four minutes. I was like, oh, he must be second all-time then. That's What a great race for the Longhorns. No, he's actually, uh, if you consider ties, he's fifth because he's the fifth runner to run exactly uh, or the fourth to run exactly four minutes. But uh, how, how terrible it must be uh, to come in second place uh, on your team and, and be the, the fourth guy to, to, to get almost to the hump and not see the precipice, but uh, good things from Longhorn track and field and cross country and uh, excited. Again, we, we have, we have elite Longhorns all over the place that we like to highlight on this podcast. A rough estimate of running a four-minute mile is running at 15 miles per hour. Just putting that out there. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, you drive in Houston traffic, so sometimes you don't you don't hit 15, and, and it happens. No way, it happens. <laughs> uh, so my bang the drum. I'm gonna actually take it back to the opening of the show and talk about recruiting rankings. Now I get hyped about recruiting rankings, and and that's okay. I I do. I love watching recruiting. I always have ever since I didn't see myself uh, on 24 seven arrivals back in the day. Uh, you know, I've always loved watching the recruiting rankings, but I do want to temper expectations for Texas. And I don't want to be the guy that, that comes in and rains on the parade, but it's hard to, to set expectations as high as fans are. You can't recruit a national championship the next year. It just doesn't happen. But really, when you look at Texas's recent and somewhat recent history, recruiting success has not equaled success on the field. Texas in the 10 classes before the 2018 class, so we'll look at 2008 through 2017, had 7 of 10 of those years ranked in the top 10, including 3 ranked in the top 5. Now, Following 2008, you know, basically 2009 to today would be kind of what we would call a modern, uh, a bad time for the Texas football program. Uh, we were going through some of the recruiting rankings and we were talking about how most of the five and four star guys either transferred, got injured or never saw the field. So there are a, there's a lot to be excited about. There is a ton of talent and a ton of potential, but if you equate Tom Herman's success in this offseason and want him to win a national championship in the 2018 season, that is not a good expectation to have because it's just not going to happen. You know, Some of these guys are going to come in and play 
immediately. But a lot of these guys need a year or need two years in a college strength and conditioning program. They've never properly done a power clean. They've never properly done a squat. They need a, a year or two in a proper nutrition program. And you're going to see guys that put on weight. You're going to see guys that lose weight. You're going to see guys that stay the same weight but go from being a flabby 300 pounds to being a 300 pounds of muscle. So it's, it's, it, is, it takes some time. It's a developmental process. And we live in a world, in a society, I'm going to get off my soapbox here in just a second, that wants instant gratification. I get mad when I have to microwave something for longer than about 90 seconds. But that is not how development works when it comes to athletics and the human body. So give it a year. Give it two years. Yes, some of these guys are going to come in to compete. But when push comes to shove... You cannot expect a 2018 top three recruiting finish to equate to a national championship for the 2018 season. Yeah, and and I think we should just take a second to remember, too, it's a luxury to not have freshmen playing. When you have a freshman playing, that should be an exception where it's like, wow, that guy is so good. You shouldn't have to rely on these guys coming in and playing immediately every day. You're not in a good, healthy program state when you're doing that. So I think you're exactly right. This, uh, this could be big things down the road, but let's not see all of these guys suiting up next, uh, next year on Saturdays. Yeah. And, and again, I do think Texas is going to have more success in 2018. I think they're going to build, but not with the guys that just came in predominantly. I don't think it's going to happen. They're going to have some guys that finally are a little bit longer in the tooth. They're maybe the first time in three seasons we haven't had to start a freshman quarterback. So that may be uh, that may be good to see to have an upperclassman uh, tech air quotes under center taking snaps. But that's all we've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening in. And again, I'd love to remind you, if you uh, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with your friends. Uh, you can actually, we don't have any five-star reviews this week to shout out. So I want to give a shout out to our 16 downloads in South Africa. I do want to give you a shout out. If you're listening in South Africa, shoot us an email, uh, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear how you came across the podcast and what, uh, what we can do to make your South African listening experience. Uh, more uh, South African friendly. I don't know. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, hopefully on a wine trip to South Africa. Um, hook me up if any of you own the, the world-class vineyards uh, there in the, the Southern Cape. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. Uh, you may not find me in your local Fuddruckers because I still have not been getting the feedback from Fuddruckers. So tweet at me, Fuddruckers, at Kyle Carpenter. That's uh, just once again, Fuddruckers, uh, world's greatest hamburger. But uh, you can find me, as I said, there on Twitter and uh, and along the social media. Have you used your four burgers from the uh, from the bowl game? We actually, maybe this is why we had to reschedule our uh, our couples night. We had two couples go with the sets of burgers, and we had to reschedule a couple times. So maybe they're waiting for me to come in before they tell us they want to officially sponsor the podcast. So I'll I'll give you one or two more weeks, Fuddruckers. Get there, get those burgers. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Courage. Follow the show, Longhorn Pod, and you can always send us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in, and until next time, hook them. Hook them.